Are you looking for ways to shorten your marketing learning curve and help your organization survive and thrive? Welcome to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast, a show for purpose-focused leaders who want to use marketing techniques to fuel their organization's growth. If you're a returning listener and you haven't subscribed already, we'd love to have you. Also, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now here's your host, author and marketing specialist, Stu Swinefort. Hey everybody, Stu here. My guest today is Allison Caffrey, and she's the CEO and founder of Operations Agency, which is this really amazing organization that helps other organizations, so B2B, B2C, nonprofits, et cetera, figure out their operations and figure out where they're getting stuck and what's getting in their way. We talked just a ton about processes and and how to set up systems and some of the pitfalls that people have created for themselves when they haven't come at this problem from a strategic perspective. And Allison and her team are there to really help out in this arena. So if you have people on your team, if you are struggling with sales, if you are trying to figure out how to make sure projects get done and one of the things that we talked about is this fear of selling. Like if you're, if a new sale actually makes you think you're going to throw up on your shoes because you don't know how you're going to execute on it, Allison is a perfect person to reach out to. And I think this episode is going to really be helpful. So I hope you enjoy it. I had a great time talking with her as I always do. And here we go. Allison, how are you today? I am doing well, Stu. How are you? I am very well. It's a beautiful fall day here in the Nederland, Colorado area. I was over on the West Coast this last weekend, and it's nice to get back here where the leaves are changing and we have cool temps. There's nothing better than a fall in Colorado, in my opinion. I wish we were there. I'm in New Jersey, coming to you from beautiful, rainy New Jersey. (laughs) It's raining there today. All right. (laughs) Yes, it actually makes for a nice, cozy situation. Well, that's great. I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on our podcast today. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. I know we made our initial connection after I was a guest on Dean Jackson's show. And you had been a guest on that as well. And I was like, well, I think I need to reach out to Allison and, and, <laughs> and see what she's all about. So I'm yeah. excited to you know, continue that conversation. So tell us a little bit about your agency. It's really a fantastic resource for people looking to kind of streamline their operations and create processes. But I'd like to learn a bit more about how you got into, into that and, uh, Tell us all about it. Yeah, of course. So yeah, doing Dean's show is fun because I'm sure as a lot of us realize when we start a business, we're good at doing the thing, right? That we're hired to do, but we're not amazing at the marketing or the business running or the, you know, insert other thing here. And so that's actually how Operations Agency was born. We help business owners kind of fill in that business administrative gap in their business operationally after honestly they've they've been going for a little while right they've got great marketplace notoriety usually and they can you know give a lot of really great solutions to their clients and a few years ago so i've been in business for 5 years and when i actually i was an operations manager proper at a marketing and pr agency and i left to that agency and i just got approached by a whole bunch of people and they were like Hey, can you do for me what you used to do for, for that guy? And I was like, yeah, I mean, of course. And so it really, I like to say that operations agency started out of need because 
It's such an underserved and frankly, not very sexy part of owning a business, right? You start doing your thing and getting great results for people. And then all of a sudden you've got maybe some employees and maybe a, you know an operating agreement to make and partners to consider and you know things just start to potentially grow beyond your ability to be able to manage everything. And so that's you know what we really like to do. We like to help kind of declutter that experience for entrepreneurs um, and business business owners and really help streamline a lot of the ways that they do things without, you know, creating a lot of friction on the owner's end. Well, there's certainly a very large need for that type of work. I wrote a blog post a long time ago about wearing too many hats and how that's this <laughs> this notorious problem that particularly founders and you know have when they have a small crew, they're kind of doing everything. They're they're sitting in all the seats if you're a attraction person and they're wearing all those hats all the time and probably not doing at least a few of those as effectively as they might be able to if they were solely focused on it or actually good at it. So it sounds like your group really helps people kind of figure that process out and, and come up with ways to streamline things. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Typically, you know, business owners will approach me and they'll say, I am looking to, you know, hire a project manager, or I know that I need a director of operations or, you know, we are just not, we're losing clients, right? We're not fulfilling our projects are constantly going over. And they usually will come to me with one or a handful of, of very specific things. And I think that as a business owner, right, as you get to a point where you're growing and you know, you really do know where your deficiencies are, at least, you know, in part, right? You know that you're losing clients or you know that your sales process could be better or you know that your managing could be a little bit more efficient. And so they'll come to me with these specific problems. And typically what we'll do is we'll take a look at, you know, a lot of times companies haven't really just first figured out what their operational blueprint even is, right? So here's what we offer. Here's how we fulfill. Here's how we sell. Here's how we close. And it's really, really challenging to decide whether or not something fits if you haven't really kind of decided the blueprint, right? It's like adding an addition onto your home, and like not knowing what the layout of the house is, right? You don't know if it's going to flow. You don't know if anything. So they start to take on these two projects. They start to, you know, maybe say yes or no to new things. And it creates a lot of confusion around the path, right? Where is this company going? Because we don't know how we really operate. So that's really step number one. That's usually where I start with folks. I'm like, you know, we got to figure out the layout of this house and what's going on, right? What do we need for it to function? Who even lives here? And what is their role? And how are they keeping things on pace? And so that even that conversation, I think, is largely valuable just to kind of kick things off. That's great. You know, you've mentioned a lot of challenges or kind of pain points in there that people are experiencing. Is there typically you know one big one that you usually <laughs> hear over and over again that people who could really benefit from your services have? Oh, yeah. Like specifically, they're afraid to sell. Okay. I work with a lot of agency owners and what ends up happening with agency owners who have poorly run agencies is uh, they are in a position where they say yes to something, right? They, they sell something 
And they know that it means that they need to stay up for the rest of the month until three o'clock in the morning to do that thing. And it creates a lot of fear around doing that, right? You're like, well, I don't know, especially if you have a family, right? I know a lot of entrepreneurs are juggling, you know, owning a business and having a family as well. And, you know, just a personal life in general, right? Like we all are. And it's so difficult to really say yes to big projects, big retainers, when you know it's just you and all of the you know years of expertise and all of the knowledge on how to right lives up inside of your head right and it's not transferred to another person so actually i was on a call with a prospective client earlier today and she literally uttered those words to me she was like i'm afraid to sell because i know that it's just going to be all me <laughs> so it's all going to rely on my shoulders i can't really actually trust anybody to help me fulfill on this thing. And that's a scary, scary thing because what you're actually saying no to is growth, right? But that's really what's happening here. Yeah. So it's essentially, if you have a business or an organization that you're really looking to try to scale, but you're still stuck in that mode where, where maybe one or two people are doing all the work, Mm-hmm. that sounds like it's where you come in and swoop in and save the day, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, oftentimes. It's actually really, it's been interesting the past year because obviously, I mean, we've been dealing with a, with a worldwide pandemic and mm-hmm. lots of businesses have had to make shifts, right? And really what I'm thinking, there's, you know, obviously the natural struggles of the entrepreneur, right? The growth issues that we're going to face pandemic or whatever else, right? Happens, right? It's just going to be, it's a, a universal truth, right? At one point in a business, right? We're going to need to focus on how we operate in order to scale. That's just a universal truth, at least in my opinion. But then now this kind of post pandemic business really faces some really interesting operational problems. They've either had to lay off half of their staff and then redistribute responsibilities to a leaner team or they've experienced tremendous growth and they've had to double their team overnight. And so they have a lot of bodies on their team, but not exactly trained or effective in a certain vertical, right? Right. And so that's another really key position where ops starts to become helpful, or at least this conversation about blueprint, right? Because if we keep with the house analogy, right? If we're that first company and we've downsized from 3,000 feet to 1,500 square feet, then we are in a position now where we need to figure out how to utilize our space a little bit better, right? And the members of that household are going to find that their lives are going to change a little bit. So I think some of those conversations, especially, you know, post-pandemic and in this case, right, we've really been approached by a lot of folks who are either in a position where they've never talked ops or they have, and now it just looks drastically different than it did, say, a year and a half ago. Right. Yeah. Well, and all that institutional knowledge is up in their head as well. Is the thing that, that I hear a lot from clients is they're stuck in that mode. And, and I certainly have experienced this myself where you have something that you have to take care of and you think, well, it's going to take me 15 minutes to do it or an hour to tell someone how to do it. So I'm just going to go ahead and keep doing the 15 minutes. And, and those are those great opportunities to say, okay, at, at least let me document this thing while I'm doing it for this first time. And then at least it's it's out of my head. I'm assuming that those are some of the things that you and your team help with as well. Yeah, those are some of the key activities that we try to, you know, really encourage with our clients is is making those difficult decisions to instead of do um, delegate, right? And really to delegate, do it well, right? You know, kind of from that, that 360, right? Where does it live in the organization? What is the definition of done? Really getting super clear on what that means, right? To delegate something. And I think in my mind, right, the scenario that you've just given 
15 minutes to do or an hour to show someone how to do it, right? The showing someone how to do it means that we never need to revisit ideally that 15 minutes again, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that it's so challenging because we're stuck. A lot of business owners are stuck in that, you know, delegation piece where they're either afraid to delegate something because they've been burnt in the past. Or truthfully, a lot of folks probably don't even have someone that they can even delegate to, right? Like, you know, they don't have a person either in their department, or frankly, they have no team at all. And so it's often that I find that a lot of people who are just starting out in their business, and it's just them, they don't see a ton of value in creating procedures yet, because they're like, well, I don't know who to give this to, it would still be me doing it. And so I say, well, you have every opportunity now, right? Go find someone, go get someone else to help you pay them, you know, less than, you know, you're making right from, from your very own business. And then you start to see the margin there. So it's really fun once you start to geek out on some of the numbers in terms of time and money savings, especially in a service business that you can really save when you start to, you know, implement some of these things and pull some of these levers. Yeah, this is something that we've been trying to do a lot more of recently and you know, over the course of our tenure, Relish Studio was started back in 08, but mm-hmm. I'm always trying to look for something that I can get help with because every minute that I spend working on something that I can either have another teammate help me with, or you know, particularly if it's something that someone does better than than I do, which are a lot of things these days, <laughs> that's one minute that I can also spend on getting new business and focusing on the things on strategy work and the things that I do best. So it's kind of like you double your money in a lot of ways, but there's this mindset shift that I think needs to happen where you have to really just grab a hold of the idea that this is not only, you know, it might be costing you a little bit of money, but the amount of time time that you're saving that you can then apply toward other bigger money-making efforts are, you know, it's totally worth it. Yeah, definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. There's a gentleman who I follow quite a bit. He's a coach for uh, software companies and he has this activity called zone of genius and you actually make the most money and you're worth the most to your business, whoever you are, right? If you're the owner, if you're a project manager, if you're whoever, if you stay within your zone of genius. And so I think what ends up happening, right, is a lot of tasks, right, in the beginning to take on for a business, right? Some of them are sales related. Some of them are fulfillment related. you got your marketing efforts, you've got your business administrative stuff, you've got your HR stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly in this state of needing to juggle several different types of activities. And really what that's doing is it's only getting, right, let's just say it's 60% of our actual efforts, right? Versus if we stayed in strategy all day, right? Like if we were able to stay strategic all day, not only would we work that muscle and get better at that muscle, right? Versus entering in invoices, right? I mean, that's almost like commodity, right? That's so process driven, right? And so I think encouraging folks to look at things like that, you know, in a different light. I totally agree with you. You're able to spend your time working on revenue generating activities versus, you know, reactive type of hourly rate work. And it really does. It changes your day. It changes your capabilities. I personally have found that growing into that zone in my business, growing into the strategic and kind of sales zone, which is where I like to live is really going well for us in the sense that I find so much more enjoyment 
enjoyment out of my days. And I really look forward to meeting with clients about strategy. And that's just something I really enjoy doing. And something to be said about the way you approach a task as well, right? If you can eliminate some of that stuff, that's just not really doing it for you, you know, really just not making you happy and really in a position where you now can thrive and grow, right? Strategically, I think is something that's extremely undervalued. Oh yeah. I was just thinking about that in terms of getting rid of all the cruft that's on your mind. So if you're in a strategy meeting, but you know that you have to do invoices when you get back to the office or whatever it is, that's just not either in that zone of genius or just something that you don't love. It's kind of sitting back there where if you knew that that was just going to be taken care of, the amount of energy that you could put toward that task at hand would be increased as well. So it just there's just efficiencies all over the place in terms of making this shift. Yeah, totally. What are some of the things that you recommend you know, business leaders and entrepreneurs and organizational leaders do to kind of kickstart this process of, of figuring out how to engage with someone like you to help with their operations? Yes. Typically what I like to think through is, you know, consistency, right? And I like to also think through like project management, for example, a really, really big area of deficiency for a lot of businesses who are just starting to figure this out. And if you constantly are looking at, let's just say your project management tool, if you even have one and you're like, where, what is the status of this thing? right? Like, what am I doing? It's so funny, because so often I hear from a lot of my teams, and you know, they say to me, they're like, well, some days, you know, the CEO or whoever, right, comes in and they're just like, where's this? Where's that? Where's the other? And they get blown up on Slack and on Monday.com or whatever the tech stack is that they're using. And it's because there's no transparency, right? There is no simple report or simple anything, right, operationally that a project lead or a CEO type or anybody really can look at to say, oh, cool, this is the health check or the status, right, of of how things are going. Mm -hmm. And typically, a lot of people feel that pain. I I always like to say one time I was talking with a client and he was like, you know what I want to eliminate? He's like, my number one goal he said, is to not have that oh crap moment in the shower where I'm sitting here trying to relax and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, did I send that email or did so-and-so finish that task or I forgot that one thing? And so we all know it when we experience it, right? You get that like ping of, oh my gosh, I need to take care of this now. And it goes back to what you were saying before, right? You can't be present doing other things, being with your family, working on other tasks in your business, delivering strategic input. If you're over here mentally, right? Thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I really need to send that email. It's two days late or whatever, right? And so those types of feelings, and it's difficult for me sometimes to put my finger on it because it is unique to each business. But you know, those feelings when you start to have them, those are kind of the big signals, at least for me. From a service perspective wise, and and a lot of my agency owners, they start to see like feast or famine months. That's a huge one for them that you can really tie some stuff back to, right? That's huge in terms of ops, right? We know that something operationally is broken if we are selling a lot one month and then fulfilling a lot the next month and and not bringing in any revenue. So that's happening for sure. You know, the second big thing, again, like I said, is is no kind of central location for operational transparency, whether that be a scorecard or a project management tool or something to just, you know, give a solid health check. And then, I mean, I hate to say it, but a ton of turnover in your staff, right? Like if, if your staff comes in and they're like, I don't know what to do or how to be successful here, and that turns into them having a poor performance and leaving, that is also something that's a huge signal for me. And so 
I like to treat some of those things, you know, very seriously in the beginning of our engagements. And again, I think all of us can probably sit here and say that we've had at least a fraction of one of those three things, right, happen over the course of our business. But it's really helpful to start to get above it and start to look at, you know, changing that. Well, yeah, that's great. It's, uh, those are some just good things for people to be looking out for when they're when they're starting to brainstorm whether or not they might want to bring someone on. Is there a particular kind of methodology that you follow in terms of, I guess, bringing on new people to your programs? Are there kind of stepping stones or is it kind of you jump in with both feet and, and just get going kind of thing? Yeah. So it really does depend on what they need, the size of the business, um, you know, the scope of everything. But I typically follow, I have an operations simplified uh, process, what I, which I go through with my team and with my clients. And it's really helped us really solidify kind of the phases, I guess, if you will. And what I do is I actually root that inside of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. And so really how that works out for us is we basically identify the basics, right? So in my opinion, and, you know, kind of over the years, I've established kind of two operating pathways for a business at the baseline, right? You've got your standard operating procedures, right? The things that you're doing day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your growth initiatives, right? Be it your quarterly planning, your special projects, you're doing an event, you're doing something like that, right? That those are kind of the two pathways that should always be cleared operationally, right? We should be able to simultaneously exist, right? Like, well, (laughs) the business should run. And then we should also be able to grow, whether that's 1% quarter over quarter or 5% quarter over quarter, right? We need to be able to accept new growth opportunities because, you know, anything in nature, if it's not growing, it's dying, right? And so I like to encourage businesses, especially, you know, very early on in the game to establish that operational pathway for themselves, because if they don't, I fear that they're going to just get stuck, right? Mm -hmm. So, those are kind of the baseline things. And how that works is we've got uh, standard operating procedures, right? So that's kind of the first uh, lever that we pull there to help define kind of that first pathway. And then the second one is your quarterly planning and project planning process. Okay. And so really what that looks like is we kind of run through that at a base level with our clients. And then we just kind of go through the rest of the pyramid of needs. And so for the most part, that's like the food and water one, right? Where you're like, okay, th- we cannot survive, right? If we cannot operate and we cannot grow, that's it's just going to go away. So next we take a look at team, right? So we try to create a home for our business, right? That's kind of the shelter Mm -hmm. for Maslow's hierarchy there. And, uh, you know, we really want to be able to create some solid training and solid responsibilities and solid project management parameters in in kind of that bucket. And what we really want to look at is, okay, if someone came in here tomorrow, would they be able to achieve what we need them to achieve with what we currently have, right? Whether that is project parameters or a job description or a list of responsibilities or a, a you know key performance indicator, whatever that needs to look like, right? So like I said, that the levers that we pull there are our projects, uh, you know, team training. Those are two, two huge ones. Then we move up to data. And we take a look at how we're performing um, from a data perspective. This is, again, key performance indicators. This is your scorecard, right? Where's that central location, kind of like I was talking about before, you know, where we can create some transparency, right? If we've got our standard operating procedures firing on all cylinders, we're growing quarter over quarter, month over month, right? We're managing projects well. Our team is doing an amazing job. Where can we look to, let's just say, quarterly, right? 
assess from a numbers perspective where we're at. And so I think that is probably the most attractive stage to a lot of my clients. They say, we want to get there. We want something that's in front of us and we want to be able to know where we're going next. And I said, okay, but it does take a lot of work to get there, right? We can't just pull a number out of thin air because one of the worst things, something worse than not looking at numbers is looking at incorrect numbers, I personally think. And so we're in a position where that's usually the most exciting piece for our clients. They're like, yeah, let's get there. Let's get the scorecard in. So that's the lever that we pull, the kind of centralized location for data and operational transparency. Then we take a look at at profit really deep. And I know that we always want to look at profit, not wait until the fourth quarter, if you will. But um, we really take a look at systematic ways you know, to increase profit um, quarter over quarter. And that could be, like, like I said, that could be 1%. That could be 5%. That could be increasing from, you know, if someone's doing really poorly profit-wise, we could really set a solid goal and try to increase their profit pretty significantly. Um, and then we go kind of deep into per project and per employee. So we can say, okay, if from a profitability perspective, right, these are our most profitable projects, right? We can then make a really solid decision and say, cool, we're going to double down on these projects. And then we're going to maybe eliminate some of the more expensive projects. Right. This is where we can start to use the data that was in the previous step to help make us more money, frankly, right, in the long run. And so that's a really exciting stage as well for a lot of my clients. And then my final phase, I love it's called the prosper phase. And this looks a little different to everybody because a lot of business owners have, frankly, a lot of different goals for their business and what they want to do. So this phase is really just about what, how they want their business to look in their life or how they want the business to function as, let's just say, a piece of you know society, right? If they want to give back a lot, if they want to be in a position where they're known for something specifically, or they want to live a laptop lifestyle and spend most of their winters in Bora Bora, right? We can start to reverse engineer, right? Or start to all for the other side of the equation and say, okay, if we need to operate like this and we need to do these things in order to be wildly profitable, right? And give our clients the best experience ever. And we want to spend our winters in Bora Bora. What does this look like? (laughs) Right? And so then we can start to play and kind of dream a little bit and say, okay, what do we need to have in place to live? You know, the really seriously designed life uh, that we want to live. And so that's the general process that I bring all of our clients through. And it's been very, very helpful for us in terms of grounding them in a path. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I think that the yeah, the piece that a lot of people we see kind of missing is they've never actually figured out where they're trying to go. And so mm-hmm. they want to just, from a marketing perspective, for example, they you know either learned about or decided upon some activities, but they don't really have a roadmap for where that's taking them. So just even having that is such a valuable little chunk of the equation that you know, I could see just putting together this entire program, how beneficial it would be for an organization who is really looking to figure out how to improve their performance. And if they're a nonprofit, do more good in the world. And if they're a for-profit agency, you know, increase profits and have just a, a healthier business that works for them, which is something a lot of people are missing. Yeah. It's incredible how many folks I talk to who have just seemed to almost like a relationship, right? You know, a relationship takes work, it takes input. And it's almost like they've entered into or found themselves in a bad relationship, right? It's something that doesn't bring them joy and that they loathe kind of working on, right? Instead of in. And it just, you know, because everything has needs, right? You're always, you know, satiating the need, the need, the need. But instead, we want to focus on the essential things, right? Like the things that really are 
are going to help nurture, you know, your business. And so it's so often that I come in and I talk to these, these business owners. And frankly, it's a why for me. I talk to some people and they are just so overworked. They haven't spent time with their family. And it's just a position that I really just am so upset to hear that they're in. And you can tell it's taking a toll on their life. You can tell it's taking a toll on their business itself. You can tell it's taking a toll on their relationships. And, you know, figuring something like this out, right? Figuring out having a business in the first place, right? Is kind of half the battle, right? That jump initially is very scary. (laughs) It's very, very scary. And so being able to grow a business to a certain point takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of courage. But I think what takes another kind of leap, if you will, you know, to use kind of Seth Godin's terminology is really to start to create an asset that doesn't rely on you to create something that can work for you. And that's something I think that unfortunately, a lot of business owners, they don't take that leap because it might mean giving up some of their profits and it might mean some another, you know, uncertain time or they're afraid of losing their business because they don't want to hire somebody and put some, you know, responsibility in their hands. And so that's a really scary time. And truthfully, it's, it's something that I am very passionate about fixing in a lot of my clients is really, really being in a position where they can return to the life that they love, right? They can return to spending more time with their children and being, you know, more present with their spouse and being more active in their community instead of staying up and burning the candle at both ends, fulfilling, you know, fulfilling on client projects or doing things like that. So it's definitely something I hear very, very often. Yeah, for sure. I've been a part of a couple of peer groups that have the kind of the four pillar type philosophy in terms of you have your business, your relationship, yourself, so your own health and well-being, as well as like your tribe. So your community or your crew, right? In any event, so they're all of those kind of pillars that you have to consider. And then if you can get them in balance, then people tend to be most productive, most effective and happiest and and have these very fulfilling life experiences. But when any one of them is out of whack, you have the potential to kind of have everything topple over. And so I think organization leaders, whether that's a a nonprofit or a purpose-driven organization, or, you know, even just a a general for-profit business kind of experience, a lot of the upper echelon tend to you know, get caught up in that business. And so that pillar tends to get a lot of the attention and then the others are now unstable. And so really creating a mechanism by which your business can work without your presence, or at least you have an understanding of your profit model so that you can take, you know, say, take some time off from time to time, hopefully on a regular basis without feeling like you're just leaving things to rot is so it's such an incredibly valuable thing to figure out and to have help with. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with with asking for help when we need it. Do you see a certain type of, of organization that either benefits most from your approach or from bringing in a, a fractional COO? No. So I work a lot with service-based businesses, but I also, I mean, currently I've got two software companies that I'm working with. And I think that really 
anyone can benefit from, I mean, not necessarily working with me, but just thinking through some of these concepts, right? And really being in a position to say, okay, this is how we operate. And this is how we grow, right? Kind of those basic needs I was discussing, you know, just a minute ago, really being in a position to say, okay, yeah, this is really how we are functioning day to day. And then here's how we grow. It's usual that service businesses are affected, I would say, probably the most by some of the anecdotes that we've been presenting on this session here, Mm -hmm. because right there in the position where they have client work or they're working on a project by project basis, right? I think that folks say, for example, in a software company would be in a position from an anecdotal perspective, right? Where they would have like a very difficult time crunch position where they would be getting like V1 of the software out, right? And then they'd be in a position where it would lighten up a little bit more and they'd be a little bit more data driven out of the gate because otherwise they likely won't be profitable, right? If they don't know how long they generally keep a customer or what it costs to get a customer. But someone like an agency owner or someone like any kind of general service-based business, they're in positions where they're usually bidding out contracts that they have no idea no idea how to price. It's a shame because they're like, oh, I think I should make about 150 an hour or wherever it is they start, right? And then they're in a position down the line where they've got this pricing model that might be outdated or it might actually not be 100% true because they don't know exactly how profitable they are on these projects. And so I think general reassessment as the company grows, you know, on pricing, on fulfillment, on consistency, on on all those types of things is something that I do think, you know, generally affects a service-based business a little bit earlier in the process. Now, software business, I mean, truthfully, I've worked with companies who've been in the seven-figure mark and the eight-figure mark, and they haven't touched any of this stuff. So it's so funny how they've gotten this far sometimes is beyond me. They're like, we've just bootstrapped it to this point. And I'm like, well, good on you for bootstrapping (laughs) it to 10 million because that's impressive. Yes, it is. Yeah. But I think the service business, right? Or the the agency business is it's going to be a little bit more difficult to grow a business to that size with service offering if if we haven't had some of these core discussions about ops. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So When you start working with a client, do they start typically with your quarterly process and then escalate up to more hands-on? Or what's the model look like for people who are coming in and looking to engage with, with you and your team? Yeah, that's a good question. So my, I like to say that our approach is standard, but our results are custom. Okay. And so what that means is, is that we typically will take on a project with our clients. We work in 90 day sprints. Okay. And so all of our client projects typically are 90 days in length. And we have two different types of projects. We have strategic client projects and we have implementation client projects. Okay. And the strategic projects look like going through this kind of process at the strategic level with the client and saying, okay, if you have a team or you've kind of someone to help pull these levers, um, we can go through this and I can kind of just clear the path, right? Like provide some of that clarity and, you know, kind of check in on them. We can establish some key metrics and then we'll check in with them over a 90 day period. And then we've got the implementation projects, which truthfully obviously includes the strategic element because how can we do a really solid project without strategy? And then we do everything for them. So we are a full service operations agency, meaning we can write procedures, we can, you know, establish rules of engagement and create templates inside of a project management tool. We can create sales flow 
and, and build out different sorts of tech platforms. You know, we can create custom integrations that hopefully decrease some of the administrative workload for some of the team members and make, you know, data a little bit more visible. Just kind of a small window into some of the things that we do. We also work a lot with HR teams on standardizing training. Um, we're a certified partner with a company called Trainual, and they're really wonderful just kind of standardizing that experience, right? When you get a new employee and, and really making sure that they're trained on, you know, your procedures and how it is you work and how it is you want things. So we do take on, you know, a handful of projects like that as well. But, you know, like I mentioned, those are kind of our two main veins. And honestly, we don't really stray too much from that. I love the simplicity of what we offer. I love the simplicity, frankly, of my business. It's just something that I like a lot. And I think my clients also really like the simplicity of being able to do a 90 day engagement with us and say, okay, this time we're going to work on the sales department. This time we're going to work on the customer service department, right? And it's very cut and dry. And for some of our larger companies, right, they have specific budgets for different departments. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to allocate those funds operationally, right, to working with somebody like me. It's been something that I felt like has gone really well for us. Oh, that's great. I appreciate you walking me through that. process. I, I'm just curious to know how, you know, how a small organization might kind of tee up this, the idea of working with a consultant such as yourself versus, you know, a, a much larger organization. And yeah, particularly when you get into or, larger organizations, they do tend to have, you know, budgets tied to different, you know, areas of focus within their business. And, mm-hmm. and so applying that those budgets to ops is uh, certainly can be incredibly valuable times time and and efficiency. <laughs> yeah, most definitely productivity boost for sure. Mm-hmm. Have you worked within the nonprofit space much, or is that? something that's outside of where you tend to land? Actually, so my original nine to five, the very first operations manager position, we helped a ton of nonprofits. Oh, cool. And it was more on the sales and marketing arm. So I'm a little bit more, I would say from an ops perspective, I can definitely advise a little bit more there sales and marketing wise, but I have worked with nonprofits here and there sprinkled in just more so in the strategic capacity. I do find that nonprofits needs extend a little bit farther than from like a, you know, an ops setup perspective, right? Operating agreements and legalese, I like to say, extends a little bit farther than I can go, but I have some really solid recommendations inside of my network. And so truthfully, it's something that I said actually earlier this month to my project manager, I was like, it would be really, really wonderful to do some nonprofit work throughout the year. And I've always, honestly, I thought I was going to grow up and be a lawyer, but I've always wanted to do like pro bono work, like once a quarter or, or twice a year or something like that. It would be really great to get involved with some nonprofits that we can really help do some some operational changes with. Yeah. It's funny how nonprofits don't necessarily consider sales as part of the opportunity or part of the job description. But, you know, particularly for executive directors and people in those types of positions, you are really doing a lot of sales. You're convincing people oh, yeah. that this is the right place to help and that your team can get this this job done. That's part of your mission. And then just creating systems around that, I think, can be incredibly valuable for nonprofits because a lot of times they do even more limited resources than perhaps in the for-profit space. And so really creating, you know, standardized systems processes that that they can follow tend to help streamline in the absence of being able to just throw bodies at it. Yeah, you know, and I think it's tough too, when you start to look at, for example, funding, right, in nonprofits, 
it's like those feast or famine months we talked about before, right? We either need to keep funding top of mind 24-7 and create some amazing procedures for that, or it's going to go away. And that is sales, right? That's very much sales, especially when you start to talk about one of the things that we did, the organization that I worked with, we helped them you know, just create ways to start conversations with donors and with people who would be able to further the mission, right? Mm -hmm. And so in that case, having a system, right, to be able to do something like that, you know, all the time is something that I think is very overlooked, right? Because oftentimes we see donor events and, and things like that as kind of the once a years, right? Yep. And instead, right, we can create kind of micro versions of those to help us create a little bit more consistency. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about that as kind of the inspire phase where you have people who've raised their hand and they've said they believe in your organization and then have either you know, given time or money to the organization or both. And, you know, how can you escalate or advance that relationship or keep it moving where you can get them to bring in their business as a corporate donor or mm -hmm. some sort of sponsor, or at least be willing to easily or, or make it easy for them to share all the benefits that you bring to the table to their constituents and or their network rather, mm -hmm. just to help spread that word. And so it's kind of this idea of how do we get repeat business and referral business. And, you know, in the nonprofit space that, that can be repeat donations or volunteer work mm -hmm. or really helping to evangelize around the organization and its mission and bring more people into the, into the sphere of influence. And, you know, that certainly for most people, it starts out as a one-off process where you know, you're kind of reinventing that wheel. Every time you do it, mm -hmm. you've written that email 90 times. And when you can start to recognize when you're doing something again, you know, that's a perfect place for a process. Oh yeah. There's, there's three stages to a process, at least that I've seen in my experience. There's the, I do it myself, mm -hmm. right? Over and over again, exactly what you've just mentioned. The second stage is I've created a process and I've delegated it, right? So someone else can now get the same result that I was previously getting. And then the third stage is multiple people or right? a department of people right at scale can get those same results that you were getting with that process. Yeah. And so it typically changes, right? Your process might not look the same with you doing it, you know, versus, you know, you giving it to somebody else to do it because there might be an extra step you want them to take to report or, you know, whatever else, right. To make sure that it's being managed properly. Mm -hmm. And then it might also take another quick change, right. Because at scale, you might not be able to do the personal touches that you did in the original process. Right. right? And so we can't be afraid of our process changing as long as it's still delivering quality results, both on the business side and, and on our client side. Yeah on the end user. So I think if we can start to take a look at things, you know, like that, right, where things are constantly evolving and growing, right, the process doesn't always have to be the process. I think that's something that um, folks get a little intimidated by when we start to take the, you know, the car down the road of going, <laughs> yep. you know, through standard operating procedures. They're like, well, I mean, things change all the time. I'm like, that's okay. Yeah. That's totally fine. So let's change all the time. I said, but what we need to do is document today's current best thinking. Yeah, exactly. I said, because what we're going to do is we're going to wake up tomorrow. We're going to have no idea what to do. Yeah. I actually <laughs> had that conversation with someone just yesterday or the day before or last week where we were talking about how you don't have to get it completely right as long as you can get it out of your head. And then you can massage on it or you can actually make it someone else's task to refine and improve that process. And there you just delegated the process creation. So it was like, a, you know, it took that piece off your plate as well. So it's amazing the, you know, the power of just 
committing to noticing those things and then making sure that you get it out in your, at least your organization's common area. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a muscle to build for sure. Because I know a lot of business owners and a lot of teams, right? If they don't have kind of process creation woven into their culture, it does take, you know, a little bit of time, right? And sometimes, you know, there's going to be some pushback, right? You're going to get sore after your first workout. That's going to (laughs) happen. So you're going to need to make sure that you're committed to the end result, right? Because there are going to be some barriers, you know, and like I said, things are going to change. They're going to change often and they're going to change quickly. And I think one of the biggest things to establish is like you just mentioned that process for creating processes, right? For creating procedure internally and then centralizing it. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating probably in the entire world than searching Google Drive. And so if we just got all these things piled up in Google Drive somewhere, eventually it's going to be difficult for someone to find them. So really being in a position to centralize things is is definitely a huge step to take even just to do tomorrow, right? I mean, if you're listening today to our conversation, (laughs) take that at least, right? If you know that you've created some documents at some point to help your team move things forward without you, centralize them now, you know, really get them in a place where there's one link to bookmark or share with everybody so that you're not like, oh yeah, where's that one thing we created that one time? And then you're spending 25 minutes looking for it. At least give a place, right? A, A central location. If, you know, your team takes it on themselves as well to create some new procedures or new checklists and things, they can also dump it right in that central location. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing advice. I think that I will have to take you up on that because I certainly have some stuff that's <laughs> all over the place right now. So we've started documenting processes and putting them in one place, or we've been doing that for a little while now. But even that repository could be a little bit better organized. So just figuring out ways and creating systems around which you know people can actually find the information that they need and be able to like we just talked about, iterate on that, make it even better. I can't believe it's been about an hour. I've just really enjoyed our conversation today. I think that there's so much great information out there. I know that you have a bunch of great resources on your website for people who are seeking to kind of start dipping their toes into you know this wonderful world of streamlining operations and building out systems. And so I would encourage everyone to head over to your website, which is operationsagency.com and check out everything that you have there available. Where else can people find you online if they have uh, questions or want to learn more? Yeah, operationsagency.com is probably the best place. We have a resources page there on our site. So there's trainings and templates and you know some other things that you can get into, you know, depending on what your needs are. And truthfully, I'm super accessible. So We've got a Facebook page, um, Operations Agency. I answer those messages truthfully, so please don't abuse them. Um, <laughs> and for the most part, you know, yeah, I'm super accessible. I, I'm very involved in the process of talking with someone about their needs and whether or not this journey is a right fit. Because truthfully, it's something that, like I mentioned before, I'm very passionate about uh, fixing these relationships between owner and, and business. And I want to make sure that this isn't going to be an exercise in futility if we need to focus on sales and marketing versus ops. I'll, um, I'll let you know that for sure. So if anyone's got any questions or anything related to ops structure, team training, um, you know, utilization, all of that stuff. I'm super, super available. You can hit me up on Facebook or even just shoot me an email from our website. Well, that's very thoughtful and generous of you. (laughs) I would encourage people to take advantage of that because you clearly have a really good handle on how to 
you know, take people's businesses and just make them work more effectively and efficiently for them, which is pretty much what every one of us is wanting to do, I think. Yeah, I love talking shop. Yeah. It's, a, it's a downfall. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> That's a great segue because I love having these conversations. But one of the things that I want to make sure of is that people take action. And I know that you just mentioned, you know, people, if they could have one takeaway, they could go and make sure that they have their processes all kind of dialed in to one area at least and make sure that that, that knowledge is accessible by their team. But if there was one other thing or anything else that you would have people do after they've listened to our show today, what other piece of action would you want them to take? Yeah. If you do not have Loom or some kind of screencasting tool on your Chrome extension or whatever you know it is browser tool that you're using, get it right now. Because I think that a part of the journey of really getting a lot of this institutional knowledge and this years of experience out of your head, you know, if you're the business owner listening to this, is going to be a visual of, okay, this is what I see when I'm doing something correctly, or here's what I mean by definition of done. If you've already centralized, you know, where you put some operational tutorials, procedures, things like that, you can just dump those screencasts right in there as well. And then someone can very easily access, okay, wow, this is what Allison meant when she said, go fill out the scorecard. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's very, very helpful. And you know what? We're living in a time right now where it's easier than ever to connect with somebody else. And so connecting with somebody on your team, letting them see what you're seeing on your screen is almost like having them in the room with you, just being able to teach them what it is you, you'd like to you know, see from them and what it is you're expecting. So get Loom. And if you don't have a central location for how-to documents and checklists and anything operationally uh, related... I would go ahead and create a spreadsheet or, you know, honestly, a Google sheet and just share it with your organization as soon as you can. That sounds fantastic. I mean, I've been using Loom for a little while now, and it's such an amazing tool. You know, I know that there are plenty of tools out there, but, you know, really just getting, yeah, getting that resource that people can actually go back to is incredibly valuable. So thank you for recommending that. Well, Allison, thank you again so much for being on the show this afternoon. I really appreciate it. And I really look forward to continuing our conversation and seeing how we can uh, help everyone run a, a much more streamlined operation in the future. Yeah, of course. I had such a pleasure today. I can't believe that the time went by so quickly. I'm pumped to be able to share today. And I hope that everyone got some wisdom out of today and maybe is going to start to take some of these action steps. I'm really rooting for you. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm rooting for everybody else as well. So thanks again for being on the show, Allison. Go check out operationagency.com and get your operations in order. <laughs> thanks, Steve. Talk to you soon. Thank you. And there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks again for listening. You can find past episodes of the show at relishthis.org. And remember, if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on purpose marketing, grab your free copy of my book, Mission Uncomfortable, How Nonprofits Can Embrace Purpose-Driven Marketing to Survive and Thrive. Get your copy now at missionuncomfortablebook.com. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week, won't you?